Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John? We are journeying through 1 John on Sunday mornings. And we're coming to the second chapter of 1 John. And we're going to begin reading in verse 12 and following. With your Bibles open, I invite you to stand as we read these precious words from our Holy Bible. 1 John chapter 2, and we begin in verse 12. John says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you're strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. I am so grateful for that last phrase there. He who does the will of God abides forever. Father, in Jesus' name, We are so grateful for the precious words that we have just read. And we pray, dear Lord, that these words will find a lodging place within each and every one of our hearts. We pray for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit upon the preaching of your word. We pray that you will fill us with your spirit. Anoint us with your power. And Lord, that we will not be hearers owners only, but that we'll be doers. And so, Father, may what be said here today bring honor and glory to the precious name of our Savior and Lord. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I love the writings of the Apostle John. John is so interested in the family of God and the body of Christ that he has devoted this whole entire epistle to the family of God and talking about the things that we deal with on a day-by-day basis. And John is calling all children 
of God, little children. He calls you a little child in the faith. That is a compliment that he is sharing with you and I today. I know that we have people today that says they believe in universalism, that everybody is a child of God. Well, my friend, that's wrong. Not everybody is a child of God. The Bible reminds us that unless you've been born again, born into the family of God, you cannot call yourself as a child of God. Now, of course, God is the creator of all. We are all of his creation. But we are not. Everyone is a part of the family of God. But like a child, He learns to trust his father. In fact, as I look out into the congregation today, I see that we're all are part of the family of God who have trusted him as Lord and Savior. And we're in one of three different stages as we're going to look at today. Some of us are little children. Some of us are young men in the faith, who've grown and matured and have learned the victory that we have in the Lord Jesus over the enemy. And then some of us are fathers in the faith. But I find it interesting of how the Bible reminds us over and over again of how we are part of the family of God and how our faith is to be like a little child. And we should grow in the, in the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Matthew chapter 18 verse 3 reminds us of something that is very important. It reminds us of how we are to be a part of that family of growing in that nurture. As children, we should grow spiritually. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 18 reminds us of that, that we're to grow in that, that spirit of, of unity and love and in the power of God. Just as you would want your little children to grow as they're born into your family, God has a desire that each and every one of us to grow in knowledge and in spiritual growth in the family of God. There's, there's that hunger, that desire of every person wanting to mature physically, emotionally, mentally, and yes, spiritually. And so the Bible reminds us of the importance of growing in that spirit. John is writing to us as individuals, and I think he can sum it up in two words. Grow up. Every one of us should have a desire of wanting to continue to grow. No one has accomplished the task that they have finished that task, that they have matured to the fullest, and they don't need to grow anymore. Is there anyone here today have have accomplished that task? Of course not. But here is the desire that should be in the hearts of every man and woman, boy and girl. And that is that we want to continue to grow, continue to mature, continue to be 
what God has called us to be. With that in mind, I want us to look at several things as we look at this passage of Scripture today. First of all, I want you to notice with me, as you'll focus upon verses 12, 13, and 14, of the stages of maturity. As I said earlier, that every one of us is in one of three stages. You're either a little child, little children, or you're a young man, or you're a father. John identifies those three levels of maturity. Someone said that a child is immature, a young person is inexperienced, an adult is incredible. I don't know who that person was, but uh, I'm not sure if he has it exactly right. But here you begin to see there's three different groups. First of all, the first group he brings to our attention is little children. Now, I find it interesting. You'll notice he says in verse 12, I write to you little children. Down there in verse 13, he says, I write to you little children. Both of those words, children, have two different types of meaning. One is a meaning of one that has been, just been born. One that has just began to grow in the knowledge of Christ. The other one is one that has been a Christian for quite some time, but he's never matured. He's never grown. In fact, What I'd like for you to do, you'll notice there are several marks of a baby. And I want you and I to classify ourselves today because I think you'll find it interesting that as you begin to look at these different classes of Christians, categories of Christians, you might be able to recognize yourself. Or you will recognize someone else that's in this congregation. I'm afraid that there's probably more children in the faith than there are fathers in the faith. And that is a tragedy. But take your Bibles and turn to the left, and I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to discover the marks of a little baby Christian. A person that has never grown in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time I kind of get discouraged about our church, all I've got to do is read 1 Corinthians and read the Corinthian church, and I get really encouraged. I wouldn't pastor the church of 1 Corinthians for $500,000 a year. Maybe six, but not five. 1 Corinthians, the Corinth church was a church that was filled with baby Christians. And, and they displayed themselves as little babies. As I look at a lot of churches, they're a lot like that. But I want you to see the first mark of a baby Christian is their digestion. Look with me in chapter 13, I mean chapter 3, verse 1. And two, he says, and I, brethren, cannot speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. 
He says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. Their digestion. In other words, only thing that they could digest was baby food. They had to be spoon-fed. In other words, the only time they ever got any word within their bodies and their lives and in their souls was when they'd come to church on a Sunday morning because they never picked up their Bibles not one time during the week. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Uh, The only time that some people ever pick up the Bibles is when they get ready to walk out the doors on a Sunday morning, they dust off the, uh, the, the dust off their Bibles, and they come to God's house, they'll hear the preacher preach, and the preacher literally tries to spoon feed them, because their digestion is, is that they cannot take too much meat. They get choked upon it. Because they're baby Christians. Little babies, they, they drink milk. Little babies, they eat baby food. Little babies have not matured enough to be able to sit down and to eat a steak. They have not matured enough to eat meat. They have not matured enough physically. And there's a lot of Christians today that they want to come to church on a Sunday morning, they want to be spoon-fed, they want to walk out the door and allow the pastor to pat them on the back and burp them real good, and they're good for the rest of the week. (laughs) Their digestion. But then I want you to notice something else. Look with me, if you would, please, in uh, verse 3. The Bible says there was division. One of the marks of a baby Christian is division. It says, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Divisions, troublemakers. I want it my way. Have you ever noticed two little babies together and you got one toy? Man, you've got a you've got a war on you. Yeah, that's exactly right. You got a war on your hands. Abraham Lincoln was walking down the road one day, and he had one son on each arm, and they were just feuding and fighting and kicking. And somebody asked him, "says What's going on, Mister President?" He says, "My sons are like the world today." I have three apples and each one wants two. But yet you find people in our churches today that that are so much of a baby that they want it their way. I want it my way. It's amazing to me what a number of churches have had church splits over in the number of years. What color are we going to paint the walls? What color of carpet are we going to have? Uh, what kind of songs are we going to sing? It's amazing to me that how we get so sidetracked upon immature things. 
We get upset somebody sits in our seat. We get upset if somebody uses our Sunday school class. We get so upset somebody parks in our parking spot. I remember I was visiting a church on my sabbatical. And uh, I thought, man, what a testimony. I was pulling out of the parking lot at this particular church that I was visiting. And uh, the guy slammed down on his horn, blowing his horn at me because he thought that uh, he needed to be in front of me before I got out of the parking lot. I thought, what a great testimony. I wanted to go back and visit that church again. You could tell I wanted to. But do you understand what I'm talking about? Do you understand of how there are baby Christians and, and just because you have gray hair doesn't necessarily mean you're a father. And just because you're young doesn't necessarily mean that you're a baby. I've seen some, some people today that uh, have only been Christians for a couple of years, have grown mightily in those last couple of years in their life. And they have the vigor, they have the vivation, they have the Spirit of God upon their life, and they have grown spiritually. And then I have seen some people who have been Christians for 30 and 40 years act just like a little baby. You want to take them down and put them in the nursery. So there's division. But then you'll notice also that there are deception. Look with me in verse 4 of that same chapter. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am Apollos, are you not carnal? In other words you begin to notice there is a dissection among who they are following. They're following man instead of following God. It's amazing to me of a number of our cults today that many of them are littered with Baptist people. They have tasted just enough of the Word of God that it's got them in trouble. You take a little child. And uh, a predator can come along and tempt that little child with a piece of candy. And that little child will follow that predator wherever they want to go. Well, that's exactly what's happened in a lot of cases today. We've had people today that have not grown spiritually, that, that an occult has come by and they have given them a taste of their doctrine and they have just been led astray. So, one of the marks is digestion, division, deception. Children is the beginning. Let me ask you today, my friend, how long have you been a Christian? How do you act? Do you act like a child or do you act like an adult? Do you think like a child or do you think like an adult? But then he goes on and he goes to another category. Go back to 1 John chapter 2 for a moment. And, and I want you to notice that he then begins to talk about young men. Young men. 
Not only baby Christians, but young men. Look what he says there in verse 12. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. This particular person is somebody that has grown and matured in the faith. This particular person has come to an understanding that they have an enemy called Satan. And that God has given them the strength and the ability to be an overcomer. They do not fight for victory, but they fight from victory. They are someone that who have come and they began to mature in their faith to a, such a way of bringing satisfaction of victory in their life. Young men, young women. You'll notice that they're vigorous. The Bible says there in verse 13, because you have overcome the wicked one. Then he says in verse 14, I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. Strong in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 talks about of how we're to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. When Joshua took over the leadership after Moses died, three different times the Lord says, Be strong! Be strong! Be strong in the Lord! We have individuals who have grown from the stage of a child to become a young adult. And they have gotten into the Word of God and the Word of God has gotten into them. And the Word of God has began to mature them and to grow them. You know, we have this physical fitness craze today. Uh, it's amazing to me, you go by some of these gyms and you can hardly uh, get into some of these gyms and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I'm a proponent of that. I like one guy went into a gym one day and he says, uh, asked the guy, he says, what would you say about my body? He would say, pitiful. <laughs> and so, therefore... We have this craze of wanting to grow physically, be strong physically. There should be an earnest desire in every man and woman, boy and girl's heart that I might grow, that I might be strong in the Lord and to be an overcomer. So I am vigorous. But you know what I'm afraid of? That the average Christian today that if he was physically as he was spiritually, that many of the people would be in intensive care today. Simply reason because they have not grown and matured. God says, I want my children to grow. And I want you to grow and to become a proponent of victory. Look what he says there in verse 13. He says, I write unto you, young men, because you are strong 
and the word of God abides in you. You go back and you see the word overcome there in verse 13. Because of you have overcome the wicked one. That word overcome is an interesting word. It's the word that you might recognize Nike. Victory. Nike, of course, is, uh, uh, we are familiar with because of the tennis shoe. But he is saying that you as a child of God, you have come to a point that you are victorious in your Christian life. But he goes a step further. And he brings out a third category, which is called fathers. One, a child. Two, a young man. Three, a father. Listen to what he says there in verse 14. I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. Fathers. These are the ones who have become godlike in their character. They have matured from a young man to become a father. I find it interesting of the way that a person will look at God as their father in those different stages. You take a child, when he looks at his father, he looks at him different than a father would look at another father. I didn't realize this until... I became a father. And all of a sudden, I began to have a different perspective from, for my dad. And that perspective is that when I was a child, the only thing I was concerned about with my father was what he could give to me. Not only what he could give to me, but what he could provide. And I would always ask him for things. As a child, I was always asking for things. But then when I became an adult, and I became a father, I looked at him a little bit different. Not what he could do for me, my desire was, but what I could now do for him. I'm so afraid that we've got so many people today that the only way, only thing they look at God as is some super duper God that's in the heavens to supply and to give them what they always want. But oh, you can tell a great deal about the maturity of a man when he desires to see what he can do for his father. Not what you can do for me, but now what I can do for you. But let me ask you another question. What do you have to do to be a father? You have to have children. And I believe that one of the greatest aspects of spiritual maturity is leading someone to the Lord. 
and that you have children that have been born into the family of God by your efforts. And not only that you have children, but that you have children that has had children. And that you become a father. A man, when I think of a father, I think of a man of character. I think of a man of wisdom. I think of a man of display of maturity. And so, he is categorizing our congregation today that you're in one of three. You're either a child, you're either a young man, or you are a father. But secondly, I want you to see something else. Not only do I want you to notice the stages of spiritual maturity, but what about the stunning of spiritual maturity? Look what the Bible says in verse 15 and following. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it. The Bible reminds us that we have three enemies. We have the enemy of the flesh, we have the enemy of the world, and we have the enemy of Satan. And Satan has one ambition, and that is to keep you from fulfilling God's will for your life. You're here today, and the Spirit of God speaks to your heart and tells you that you need to come forward this this morning during the invitation. And he's going to do everything in his power to keep you from doing that very thing. But you do it, and you come... And you give your heart to the Lord. He's going to do everything in his power to keep you from being baptized. But you go ahead and you be baptized. He's going to do everything in his power to keep you from being what God has called you to be as a faithful soldier of the cross. But you continue to follow and continue to grow. But my friend, I want you to understand, you're always battling, battling the enemy. And the greatest enemy that we have, or one of the greatest enemies that we have, is of the world. It's because it's so deceptive. We know, of course, Satan is our enemy. We know, of course, that the flesh is our enemy. But sometimes we overlook that the world is our enemy. I'm I'm amazed of how we speak about Christians sometimes. We sometimes call them worldly Christians. Billy Sunday once said, he said to call a worldly Christian is like calling the devil a heavenly devil. No such thing. But I want you to notice the definition of the world. We're to live in the world, but not of the world. We're like a scuba diver. We're to be in the water, but not the water in us. And my friend, I want you to understand that one of the greatest tools of the enemy is to deceive you and to distract you and to keep you from growing in the grace and the knowledge and the wisdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And that's exactly what is happening with our churches today and with our, our people in our churches today. Notice he talks about the flesh there in verse 16. Now, there's nothing wrong with fleshly desires. When he talks about the flesh, he's not talking about the skin, the blood, the body. He's not talking about that flesh. He's talking about that old nature, that old fallen nature that we have. And that God has given us certain fleshly desires. For example, we have desire to eat. There's nothing wrong with eating. We have a desire to drink. There's nothing wrong with drinking. We have a desire to sleep. Nothing wrong with rest. We have a desire with sexual desires. There's nothing wrong with sexual desires when it's confined with holy matrimony. Nothing wrong with that. But here's where the world comes. The world tries to get you to meet those desires in an unnatural way. Instead of eating, we glutton. Instead of drink, drunkenness. Instead of rest, laziness. Instead of sexual desires among a husband and wife, adultery, fornication. And what's happened is that the world has lured you to meet those natural desires in an unnatural way. Nothing will stunt your growth any more than to allow the world to distract you and to take those fleshly desires and to meet those desires in an unnatural way. Then he talks about the lust of the flesh there in verse 16. Did you realize eyes have appetites? Have you ever heard somebody say, feast your eyes on these things? Have you ever said this like I said the other night after going to a Mexican restaurant? Uh, my eyes was bigger than my stomach. Well, the advertising world understands that. That if you could drink this drink, you can grab all the gusto in the world. If you drive this certain car, you can have these beautiful ladies. You wear this particular coat or this particular dress. It's the appetite of the eyes and how the world lures you away from the centeredness of the will of God. Then he talks about the pride of life. One that boasters, someone that wants to be just a little bit better than somebody else. It's amazing to me of the number of people today who are in financial straits today because that they have tried to live above or beneath their standards. 
Will Rogers said this, spend money that we do not have, buy things that we do not need, try to impress people we do not even like. And that's exactly the way the world seems to be today. So what we've done, we've looked at the spiritual stages. Little children. Someone that has never matured in their faith. And they talk and act just like a little baby. We've looked at young men. Men who have grown from that spiritual maturity of taking the Word of God and digesting it and becoming strong. We've looked at fathers who have matured in character and in display of wisdom. We've looked at the ways that stunts our growth. But what about the steps to spiritual growth? Listen to what the Bible says in verse 14. He says, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you're strong and the word of God abides. The word of God. I want you to write down three words. First of all, write down the word saturation. Saturation. The word abide literally means to live with or to take up residence. Taking the word of God and allowing the word of God to take up residence within your life, within your body. There's no way that you're going to be able to grow spiritually without God's infallible word. There's something about the spiritual ingredients that is found in the word of God. That through the Word of God, I become saturated with His way and His will and His words. R.A. Torrey said something that I think is so interesting. He says, you may talk about power, but if you neglect the one book that God has given to you, the one instrument that through which he imparts and exercises his power, you will not have it. And that is so true. Do you understand the importance of taking the Word of God and digesting it on a day-by-day-by-day basis? You understand the importance of realizing that this word is my spiritual ingredients that gives me that spiritual vitality and that spiritual maturity and that spiritual growth. I dare say there would be a a single person here today that would want to go with a whole week without having breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You realize the importance of that physically. Why do we not realize the importance of it spiritually? The way to defeat the enemy is to put on the whole armor of God, my friend. No wonder there's so many Christians today that are living a defeated life because they're spiritually anemic. 
and they have come to a point of staying as little babes. I'm, I'm so afraid that a lot of times, I, I said this to our staff uh, before service today, I'm so afraid that many of us are not near as, as spiritual mature as we think we are sometimes. And sometimes God allows circumstances to come into our life to prove to the fact of how we're not that as spiritual mature as we thought we were. Saturate yourself with the Word of God. But not only saturate yourself, but to separate yourself from the world. The Bible says there in verse 15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It doesn't take me very long when I see or talk to a believer to find out exactly how far along he is spiritually. Because you listen to what he talks about the most, it's usually what he is demonstrating in his life. There's nothing wrong going to the movies. There's nothing wrong going to sports events. There's nothing wrong of uh, doing things in this world unless it comes and it takes the place of who God wants to be in your life. Anything of this philosophical world would certainly would demonstrate That luring away from being what God's called us to be. Separate. Uncle Buddy Robinson was a holiness preacher. And uh, he lived up in the mountains of Tennessee. And somebody had taken him to New York. And they took him out into the city and out into the town and He came back that night after he got through touring the city of New York. And he says, Lord, there's two things I want to thank you for. First of all, I want to thank you for allowing me to come to New York. I've never been before, and I want to thank you for allowing me to come. And number two, I want to thank you. I didn't see a thing that I want. And I would say amen to that. You tell me what the world has to offer, I'll tell you that God has far more to offer. What the world has to offer will not satisfy the soul. And so therefore, friend, separate. Saturate. And then last of all, satisfy. Satisfaction. Listen to what the Bible says In verse 17. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it. But he who does the will of God. Abides forever. Abides forever. 
Ever so often I get the opportunity to listen to the Moody Radio. Ever so often I get a chance to look in my library and I see a number of books that have been published by the Moody Press. Once a month I get a magazine, the Moody Monthly. There's probably not another man that is probably quoted any more than D.L. Moody. On his tombstone is written these very words that you find here in this passage of Scripture. And those very words is, but he who does the will of God abides forever. D.L. Moody, who shook the two continents for the glory of God. Been dead for years, and yet we're still talking about him. Simply because he was a man that learned how to be in the center of God's will, doing God's will, and separating himself from the things of this world. I want to ask you a question today. Have you classified yourself? If I was to come to you and I would ask you, sir, are you a baby Christian? Are you a child? Well, pastor, I've been a Christian for 30 years. I don't care how long you've been a Christian, my friend. It doesn't matter. I've known Christians that have been Christians for 30 and 40 years act just like a little baby that is in our nursery right now. Are you a young man? You've grown. you matured. Student of the Word. An overcomer. Are you a father? Have you matured to the point that you have a godly character? Godly wisdom? I think about a man like Dr. Charles Stanley. It seems like the older he gets, the wiser he gets. And the more mature he has developed. And that growth in his life. My heart's desire is to grow to become a father. My heart's desire is to be mature in wisdom, and in statute. But it just doesn't happen. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me, if you would, please, just for a moment. Every head bowed and every eye shut. I've been talking primarily today to believers If you were to go home and ask your wife or your husband, and I would encourage you to do this, what do you think I am? 
You better be careful because you might get an answer that you're not prepared for. Are you on a growing day-by-day diet with the Word of God? Are you maturing in your faith? If not, why not? I'm going to challenge you today to come and recommit yourself to Him. Lord, I haven't grown in my spiritual life in this last 10 years like I would like to. Like I have, like I, in this past year, like I would like to. Oh God, I've allowed the world to misdirect me. And today, I want to get back focused in my spiritual walk with the Lord. You might be here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not even sure that I'm a child of God. Well, the first thing you can do today is to be born again. Give your heart and your life to Him. I would want to encourage you to do that. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that the Spirit of God might take this message that you have laid upon our hearts here today and Lord that you may work in the lives of individuals challenge us to have a spiritual appetite to grow in the knowledge and the wisdom and the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ Lord there may be someone here today that's been saved but they've never been baptized, I encourage them to come forward today. Someone here today, that God, you've called them to come, and upon their spiritual journey, you've asked them to come and to be a part of the fellowship of this church. And that step of obedience is that step of spiritual growth and maturity. Lord, lead them and guide them. So, Father, have thy own will and way in this very important moment. For we ask this in Jesus' name.